0: Hello and welcome back to Excelling in Christ, the podcast where we really focus on some solid book, chapter, and verse foundation. And I encourage you to read the word for yourself and come to your own understanding because I think God created that word for you and I to understand. And I believe that when we both honestly, sincerely seek for the truth, we're going to be in agreement more often than not. Now today we're going to start with Exodus 20. I'm going to read a little bit out of verse 24 and 25, where God said when they made an altar of hewn stone, they were not to use their tools on it. They were not supposed to cut the stone. In other words, God wanted an altar that was just natural, raw, if you would, unblemished. And we ask the question, well, why did he do that? And the answer is it doesn't matter. We do that, they did that, because that's what God said to do. And that's the end of it. Now, I know we like to have an explanation or we want to know something more. But ultimately, God said it. That settles it. Over in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, he would tell us that his ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. So what we have to do is we have to ask, what is our personal goal in religion? Is your goal, is my goal, my own agenda or God's agenda? My own way? Or God's way? What are we honestly really after? Because if we want to walk with God, think Amos 3 3 there, then we have to surrender to God, and it's His way, regardless of how we would like it to be. We're the ones under authority, we're the ones that do the surrendering. So if we want that living water that Jesus talked about in John fourteen, four fourteen, or we want that love that surpasses knowledge that Paul wrote about in Ephesians three nineteen, or the peace that passes understanding, that's Philippians four, six and seven, or we want that joy inexpressible full of glory, first Peter one eight, then it's God's way. That's the only way to get what God really wants to give us. So we draw near to God on His terms, under His direction, and when He says do something one way or don't do it this way, then I know we're curious. I get that. We're human. But ultimately, we do that because that's what God said. In the Old Testament, when Israel was making some donations of carts, He said in Numbers 7, verse 8 and 9, that they didn't give any carts to the sons of Kohath because theirs was the service of holy objects which they carried on their shoulders. Now, why in the world did they have to carry that on their shoulders? doesn't make any sense to a modern American. But it doesn't have to. God wanted them to carry those particular items on their shoulders, and that was the end of it. It doesn't matter if we know God's reasoning or not. and I think that's where we get ourselves in trouble a lot of times. We just think we can do it our way. And that's nothing new that's humanity david did the same thing so if you go back to second samuel 6 verse 5 and 7 you'll see where they were carrying the holy object the ark on a cart and Uzzah reached out his hand and took hold of the ark because the oxen had stumbled and god struck him dead and because they did it their own way that day they did not have the living water They did not have the love that passes knowledge. They didn't have the peace that passes understanding. They didn't have joy inexpressible. They had misery and depression and sorrow and agony because they thought their way was better. They had approached God on their own terms and found out, unfortunately, that it doesn't work. So now I know we're we're curious beings. There's there's no way around us being curious beings. So we're still going to ask, but why can't we do hewn stones and decorate the stones and stuff? And I would offer this answer to you. And that is because of pride. We get into self-glory. If we stack up several raw, uncut, natural stones, we're not very likely to step back and go, hey, look at what I did. But if we cut them and finally decorate them, then we're more likely to step back and look at our material accomplishment and go, man, aren't we clever? And instead of emptying ourselves, we end up filling ourselves with pride. And pride goes before destruction, that haughty spirit goes before a stumble. And we're just going to get ourselves in trouble because now we're exalting who? Well, we're exalting ourselves. And that's not what God's looking for. If you go to Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2, he tells you exactly what he's looking for. And right there at the end of verse 2, he says he will look at the one who has humble and contrite spirit and the one who trembles at his word. So when he says, don't carry my holy stuff on a cart, we should tremble at his word. Uzzah probably kind of wishes he had, them, right in retrospect, when he said, don't be carving the stone when you build man an altar. We should tremble at his word. We surrender. We present our bodies a living sacrifice, which is our reasonable service, and we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's the go. So what are we really hungry for? And that's a serious question. I mean, this is very serious. You have to go to the very deep private places of your own heart and say, "Okay, what am I really here for? Am I here to feed my ego? Am I here to get applause from people for being such a super great Christian or whatever? Am I here for the approval of men? Or am I looking for that living water that Christ talked about in John 4:14? Am I really looking to connect with that love that surpasses knowledge, the peace that passes understanding, the joy inexpressible and full of glory? What's the real goal? To honor God or to honor ourselves? And when we use hammers, horses, and wagons to use Old Testament terms, that's our own wisdom. That's just straight up our own agenda humility says this is what god said this is what god said he wanted and this is what we're going to give him and so we become like little children we receive the children receive the kingdom like little children that's matthew 18 verse 3 and 4. so it's kind of tough i get it but in in some ways it's really really simple academically we just surrender as christ said unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains but if it dies, that's our total surrender, then it bears much fruit. So those fancy-hewn altars and those things that dazzle the eyes of men, they're not required at all. Isn't that relaxing? I mean, that's thats so much freedom right there. You don't need the ingenuity and all the fancy stuff of God. He's just looking for that humble and contrite heart. He is looking for that person that is really, honestly, willing to die to themselves and be alive to God. Now, this is tough in some ways, though. So I think it's really, really simple from one aspect, but we're going to look at another aspect and go, oh, man, this is hard. Because the heart, Jeremiah told us in Jeremiah 17, 9, is deceitful. It's desperately sick. It says, who can understand it? There's nobody better at rationalizing, spinning, and twisting, and making excuses than human beings. I think the old Frank Sinatra song where he sang, I did it my way. And that really sums up the attitude of most humanity. If you haven't ever heard Frank Sinatra sing, I did it my way, get on YouTube and Google it and it is all about the glory and self-exaltation of man. Now, I don't mean to condemn Frank Sinatra. He was just singing a song and making some money. But when we make to bring that attitude into our religious world, we're dead in the water. We don't do it our own way and yet we can interpret things to make them sound like we're serving God when in that secret place of our heart we know we are doing nothing but glorifying and serving ourselves and competing with the church down the road and it is all on a shallow fleshly level and Paul warned us about that in Galatians 5:17 he said the desires of the flesh is against the desire or against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh these two are in opposition to one another thus we have to have those moments where we're really super honest with ourselves about what we're really doing in our religious pursuit there is a competition and it's between my true spiritual desire and my fleshly desire so now i gotta say what what's the goal comfort my flesh or really pursue that living water and that love that surpasses understanding, that peace that passes knowledge and that joy inexpressible because the flesh can never achieve God's goal. The flesh can only provide a placebo effect. That's what Proverbs 14:12 warned us about. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of that way is the way of death. And that is where the self-deception comes in. It's kind of like Matthew 7, 21 through 23, where they thought they were on the straight and narrow. In verse 23, he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. So all of this stuff, all of this ego and the serving of the flesh, there's none of it that's new. This goes all the way back to Old Testament days. The only thing different is that their entertainment values were different. They, enter, they used entertainment in a different way. The idolatry in play and playing and kind of nonsense like that where we do it more in a modern sports way. But it's it just expressed different. So I'm going to ask you to look at, look at all the entertainment and recreation out there in this world, whether you're looking at the secular entertainment and recreation, or you're looking at the entertainment and recreation that is all wrapped up in some religious community. Is America spiritually deeper, wiser, and happier today than it was 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? Have all these sa- these shortcuts Satan has introduced, have they made you any safer? Are your children or grandchildren safer today than they were, say, back in the 1960s? Because my take on this is that Satan played the long game. Starting back somewhere in the 1960s, maybe the 50s, you may go back to the 1940s, he started taking America a little bit further off track, a little bit further off track. And we started seeing it a little bit more and a little bit more. By the 1960s, at the end of the 60s, it was really out there. The 70s, it really got out there. And now look at where we are today. Are you better off? Is your family safer? Physically and morally and spiritually. Because we have endless recreation and entertainment in almost any way you want to imagine it. And I'm saying the flesh has cut the heart out of America and immorality has run free in the name of recreation and entertainment and whatever else you want to call it. And we are losing and going downhill fast. All the coddling, all the pampering, all the giving into the flesh merely leaves the heart distracted and empty because just as Christ warned us, Matthew 4, four, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, the stubborn folks are going to absolutely refuse to see it and say, I'm just an old crank who's just whatever, and you know, I'm going to be the evil guy, and that's okay. That's the way the game played. But modernism, it's just the old stuff recycled. Whether you want to go back to the paganism of the Old Testament or wherever you want to go, it's just the same old sins being regurgitated again and again. And they get packaged in a new package, but underneath they're the same thing. It's the battle of the flesh versus the battle of the spirit. And we know from a biblical perspective that hewn stones, carts, and horses, which were the Old Testament equivalent of our modern ideas, we know they don't work. They're a placebo effect. They're a temporary distraction. And now we're at the place where more and more people are leaving the broader religious community than we have ever seen in the history of America and becoming some sort of nondescript spirituality that they call SBNR spiritual but not religious and they're missing it because there's only one way to walk with God and that is to agree with God God wants a spiritual relationship with his creation he wants us in him in spirit and in truth But it doesn't take anything great, big, happy, fancy, spectacular to do it. It takes an humble and contrite heart. I know. We can make religion more appealing to the flesh of man. But we can never, ever improve on God's plan. So I'm going to boil this down to two basic options, and we're going to close this little podcast. And that is, you can rationalize the flesh. You can coddle the flesh. You can pamper the flesh. You can comfort the flesh and you can end up empty and destroyed. Or you can go for that living water that Christ talked about in John 14. You can engage the love that surpasses knowledge. You can engage the peace that passes understanding. You can engage that joy, inexpressible, full of glory. Those are the two choices. But the only way to do the latter is to surrender yourself a living sacrifice to the will of God as it is revealed in the Scriptures in the Bible. And now I'm going to point you back to the Bible, and I'm going to tell you, that word is a lamp unto your feet, it's a light unto your path, and you use it to get to the place you really want to go spiritually. So, thanks for listening. Glad you tuned in. If you enjoyed what you heard, share this podcast wherever you do your social media. Follow whatever format you follow on, because I believe that together we can make a difference. And as always, I hope you have a great day.